Baruch Chaba, uh, not about us listeners. Uh, welcome. Uh, blessed is the arriver, for those of you who remember. Uh, I didn't my last couple times. I forgot all about that. And uh, as, like we said, we're out of habit. And for anyone who's been following this, as you know, uh, my introductions are pretty lousy. <laughs> I don't go in knowing what I'm going to say ahead of time. So, hey, we're thankful that you're here, though. And as always, I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is not about us. All right. Well, thanks once again for joining us. Uh, we're going to get started with prayer here real quick. One of the things I want to mention, uh, it, it's been mentioned uh, a couple times by other people. I, I tend to repeat some things over and over in every episode. Uh, for example, like I use the Hebraic Roots version, you know, and a couple people have said, why do you mention it every single time? We know. And one of the reasons is because I always assume someone might be listening to just this podcast. Uh, so, uh, and they won't, you know, they're not following every single one. So there's a couple things. I apologize if it annoys some people. There are some things I repeat every time because I just expect there might be someone who doesn't know uh, who's watching this podcast and this podcast only. Sure. So, um, so but I, I am sorry if I... You know, if I mention something that make, makes people go, you've said that 50 times already. Why are you saying it again? Uh, but Brad, <laughs> uh, this uh, speaking of 50 times, you just you mentioned beforehand, this is our 40th podcast, yeah, right? This is our 40th Genesis, Genesis study. Genesis podcast. Yep, and who knows what our actual number is. I need to count because I, I, like, to, I like to highlight the, the numbers of importance. But, <laughs> but it's, it's really cool. I didn't know that going in. And uh, today... 40 is the number of trial, and today, one of the numbers we're going to be going over is the 40 days and 40 nights Very on good. the ark. So I was like, wow, all right, that, that fits. It works out really well. And this one's going to be a real struggle. We're going to really have to have a trial here. So, <laughs> But speaking of repeating uh, over and over, uh, Brad, uh, as we do every time, uh, go ahead and start us off with prayer and invite Yahweh in. Absolutely. Yahweh, Yeshua, Spirit. Thank you for today. Thank you for podcast day. And even if we do have to repeat the prayer every, every single time, it's because it is so important yes. that you are here helping us to figure out how best to glorify you, how best to show our respect for you, how best to love you. Because only you can truly help us understand these things. Please be our guide. Be our wisdom. Help us find the things that you want us to know. Help us find the things you want us to share. We love you, we adore you, oh, we respect yes. you, we Hallelujah. worship you, and only you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Brad. And thank you, Holy Spirit, Yahweh God, uh, for being the one that this is about, for taking over as you see fit. Yes. Now, I hope this podcast turns out okay. Uh, <laughs> Real trial. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a trial. Uh, I, I had this set up. I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. It was one of those where, as I reviewed it, uh, certain expanding, certain things. Oh, I saw something new. Uh, but it's like, 
I had my block set. I was like, okay, this looks pretty good. I, I think I think this is what it's going to be about. Now I'll review it. And my first couple points, I kept going, ooh, there's something new. Oh, I expand that. And I realized, just coming in, setting up today, I never re-reviewed my last couple points. I, I hope they're okay. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. So if I get to the end of this and go, I have no idea where I was going with that, that's why. But uh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might give the spirit some room to work there. Absolutely. It, not about us. Uh, I can look like an idiot. Because I am, at least comparatively speaking. <clears throat> now, we are in today Genesis 7, 4 through 6. And again, in the Hebraic Roots version, it says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, Forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I blot out from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that Yahweh commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. <clears throat> so now right off the bat, we've got seven, seven, sorry, We've got three clear and distinct numbers here. <clears throat> so that, that grabbed me. And I wanted to know, what was the reason for these numbers? For example, uh, God gives Noah a seven-day warning before destruction comes. Right. Why? God, I mean, God did this on purpose. <clears throat> Pardon me, sorry. He gave him seven days. He could have given him 14. He could have given him 30. He could have, you know, God could have come at any time and said, all right, it's going to happen in this amount of time, prepare. Why seven? That, that There's a reason for that. God doesn't do anything by accident. He doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't go, ah, it's about time. Why not? Um, he has a specific reason in his perfection and his design. Now, there's always a practical physical reason that makes sense uh, with everything God has said. Uh, with every, every physical rule, law, uh, there, there's a practical physical value to it. But as you know, if you've been listening to me, I always look for what's the spiritual significance? What was God in the physical representation trying to reveal to us spiritually? Uh, that we can understand now that we have the Holy Spirit uh, leading us into truth. So, one of the things I was looking at is, okay, the practical, physical reason for seven days uh, was most likely, he's got all these animals. He's got everything. He's got the ark built. He didn't, you know, it, it took him a hundred years to build the ark. So, he didn't gather the animals 30 years into that right and load them into this structure they were in the middle of building and keep them there for 70 years you know these animals uh whether they're hanging around whether he created makeshift pens whether god just said no i'm don't worry i'm gonna bring them to you and the animals just kind of hung around on the outs outskirts and God said, I've got them. You don't worry about them. I don't know what happened. I, I just, this is totally goofy, but I just have this image of a tortoise going, all right, it's going to take me about a hundred years to get there. And it just slowly starts. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, 
Oh, gosh. Sorry. No. Sorry. No, that reminds me of a joke. And it was like, uh, okay, I'll say it. <laughs> uh, knock at the door. Guy shows up and looks around and looks down. There's a tortoise. At, and he's, what in the world? And he kicks the tortoise across the street. Two weeks later, there's a knock at the door. <laughs> Opens the door and tortoise goes, what was that for? <laughs> so anyway, sorry. We're very sorry. Yeah. Very <laughs> Just reminded me of that. But yeah, you're right. Um, God set this up. And, and I know God brought the animals. Um, but I don't know what happened as far as... Uh, did Noah prepare for them? Did they just kind of show up and they were like, you know, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was influencing. Did they just kind of sit there and hang around? Did they just kind of wander in the area? Uh, did did Noah take care of them while he was building the ark? I, I have no answer for this. I'm just throwing it out there. It's just it's one of those images in my mind that I, I wonder how it happened. But it hasn't, since it's not mentioned in here specifically, I just kind of let it go as, ah, it's probably not important. It's interesting to think, though, that there are people who, for <clears throat> ever how much time, were watching Noah build this thing. Mm -hmm. And laughing and heckling and, and saying, you know, you're a fool and all this kind of stuff. Imagine the day that the animals do start showing up. Yeah. And now it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know. Uh-huh. Because, Yeah. That'd have to be a sign. All of these animals just there uh -huh. and hanging around. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? But anyway, so there is a physical reason, but he's he's basically telling Noah, prepare for this. You need to prepare. In seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will I blot out from off the face of the earth. He's telling them destruction is coming. You've got seven days to get everything ready. Because <clears throat> earlier, you know, a hundred years ago, he just said, make an ark. You know, rain's coming. It's going to happen. Right. Now he's giving them a in seven days. He's giving them a deadline. Now get everything on board. Get all the food in place. Uh, so, so now Noah has enough time to do it orderly, to do it right. Uh, he's not rushing. Come on, guys, now, hurry. We've got one day. Everyone, onto the ark. Just run, you know. Which is funny because a lot of the imagery that I have in my head anyway, it always does seem like there's an urgency. Mm -hmm. And there is, but he, he, it wasn't like God said, okay, you got an hour. Yeah. You know, that uh -huh. just boggled my mind there. I just realized I always see this as a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. Which there is, as far as, you know, you need to be saved. So, But he didn't just say, no, you've got a short period of time, move it now. Yes. No, absolutely right. Yeah. So, so exactly. That's, so he gives him seven days. It's not like, ah, take your time, chill. It's not like he gave him seven years. Right. You know, seven months, seven weeks. Ah, just, you know, one at a time, you know, send the lions on, then go take a nap. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's. It's a week for all the animals, but but it's that's time, especially with God leading them and, and, and keeping them. So now, again, this is a seven-day warning before destruction comes. So what is being destroyed? Let me ask you that. So 
I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Every living substance that I have made will I blot out from off the face of the earth. What exactly is going to be destroyed? In your own words, I mean, your own thought, what, what is the process? People hear this story, what is God destroying? Any, well, any of the creation that's on the earth. Mm -hmm. But anything in the water is going to be fine. Anything in the air, well, no, the air, they still need to work land somewhere. So basically anything, anything that's on land that, that God created, that I also believe was then, um, God created it, but then it was uh, manipulated and messed with, and so now it's not clean anymore. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, that's pretty much it. The earth itself will not be destroyed. It will still be there after the waters subside. Mm -hmm. It's just anything that's that moves upon it or is lives upon it or is yeah. So essentially, you kind of mentioned it there: the uh, the uh, corruption, the manipulation of the animals and stuff, and and every human being alive had an opportunity to get on the ark. Mm -hmm. They decided no; they didn't want it. Yeah, and. So essentially what's being destroyed is the corruption, is the sin, is the devastation that man has created uh, and polluted the earth with, uh, that the fallen angels, that, that all, all everything opposed to God's plan and God's design is being wiped away. And that's one of the things that breaks my heart when I think about it, is that of this whole world at this point, of all of the people... It's one family that's going to be saved. It's only one family mm -hmm. that chooses to obey and be saved. And that's, and that's yeah, that gets to the point that I was leading to, is a lot of people see this as God murdering innocents. Uh, oh, I'm mad at you, so I'm just going to kill you. It's right. like God's just this, this vain, nitpicky, uptight, Zeus-like character who's just, well, you didn't please me exactly the way I wanted to, so I'm just going to go off. And this is, a lot of people, I think, see this as unjustified. Yeah. In, um, from, from God's perspective. They, yeah. they see this as, as it, it mass murder and genocide. And we've talked about it before uh, we, uh, in previous verses how this is actually a rescue, mm -hmm. and this is actually grace, and this is actually love, and this is this is salvation for mankind. This is saving them from utter destruction that was coming at their own hand. And he's he's cleaning. So this is a picture. The water is washing. The water is completely covering, and what it is destroying is the sin, is the corruption, is the dirt, is, and you mentioned it, clean versus unclean. He's cleaning. He's taking what is unclean uh, or ungodly, and he's making it clean or godly once again. So, this is seven, and we're going to go back to that number. Seven is Yeshua's number. It is one of, it's considered one of the perfect numbers. Uh, it, it represents Jesus. It stands for resurrection, spiritual completeness, the
the Father's perfection and rest. So isn't it funny? Noah's name, if you remember, means rest. So God gives Noah seven days to prepare. Um, I, yeah, I think there's a connection there. Now, Noah's story is a picture of the salvation that would come through Jesus, uh, through the water of the word, Yeshua. So what we see in, in and we've talked about this before, in the ark, is that they get into the ark, the water uh, comes, and they go through the flood, and they come out the other side, and everything is brand new. This is a, uh, just like water baptism, is a picture of, uh, this is uh, dying and, and resurrection. Uh, this is going into Jesus and coming out a new man. Uh, Jesus was the first one to, to die and rise again, and we all, uh, he gave us the gift of, of going through him and, and letting his blood wash us from our sins. And that's what this is a picture of, this whole story. So, yes, it makes sense that there would be seven days to prepare since this whole thing is reflecting Jesus. Right. Is reflecting the Messiah to come at this point. So he gave them seven days. I think that number is very specific for that reason. It represents uh, uh, Jesus coming and being the fulfillment of this picture. But... Is there something else? And this is what struck me. Now, I will let you know, I, I've talked about this in other podcasts. I'm not 100% certain, it, uh, but I lean, towards the, uh, I lean towards what I believe to be a post-tribulation rapture. Or, or at least you could call it mid-trib in the sense that I believe it's going to happen towards the end, maybe not the final point. So maybe I'm not a post-tribulation rapturist, but I believe the rapture is going to happen towards the tail end. Uh, and, and I could get into specifics on that, but I'm not going to here. But basically, at the very end of the seven years. So, is this also prophetic? Of that, uh, of a seven-year tribulation period where we are rescued in the end. Uh, Noah was given time to prepare. And one of the reasons I thought about this is because, see, I, I personally believe the tribulation period is not a vengeful God saying, you know, I'm going to pull my people, say, you stinking, slimy, uh, I hate you all, this is just so I can get my... Uh, aggression out on you with with none of my loved ones in the way <clears throat> I think this I think the tribulation period and we've talked about this is for the refining and the purification of his bride it's for the perfection of his bride it's for us to prepare for his coming and that's exactly what we're seeing here is he tells Noah, you've got seven days. You need to make sure you're ready to be on the ark and, and go. 
So we've got a seven day preparation period. And we're going to talk about that number seven as it relates to this uh, in a little bit too. But that's just a thought of mine. I began to wonder if this wasn't also a picture of Jesus's return. If the ark experience is a, a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus coming and rescuing us through his death and resurrection on the cross, then him rescuing us the second time, uh, uh, he won't be coming with water, and he might be coming with fire, but, but this is still going to be a prepare yourself, I'm coming back. Right. And, and I have a belief that there will be some people who are going to be better prepared and they're still going to be here in the hopes of getting other people to come along and helping mm -hmm. them prepare as well. Yeah. I think there will be, at, and during, the, the, during that seven years, I do believe there are still going to be people here that are going to be, uh, going to be well placed because God puts people in the right places. They're going to be well placed to be able to help those around them and bring even more people. Uh, at least that's a hope that I have. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's just because some people are going to be, I mean, there's probably people right now that are very well prepared. Mm -hmm. And it won't take too much for them to be fully prepared uh, to meet Jesus. I'm not saying I'm one of them. I got a lot of work to do myself. Right. But those people, and, and, and I, I had a dream one time that I wouldn't necessarily say was fully like I, I clearly know the ones that are from God. There's just markers in there for me that let me go. This is a God dream. Pay attention. I had one that it had some of those markers, but not enough that I went. This is truly a premonition dream. This is truly a a, a, a God dream. But it might, and it could just be my own hopeful. I want to be like this when it does happen. But it was set during the tribulation or during the worst of it. Stuff is falling from the sky. It's bad. Uh, there are crazy people everywhere attacking and hurting other people and and there's just chaos going on and I want to leave this city. I want to get away from it as, as, as far as I can. I don't even know what city it is. It's so destroyed uh, and I want to get out of it and as I try to get out of it uh, angels come falling down uh, almost superhero like they land and they crash and and uh, and uh, you know the, like the pavement get, breaks way. I mean these are like wow, this is something different. And they, 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 they stand up and they basically tell me, look, we're going to keep them at bay because you need to go back in there and help more people. And so, you know, I choose in the dream to turn around and go back into the city to try to do whatever I can. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like I said, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that was a God dream. Right. But it was just a just that imagery has stayed with me ever since I've had that dream as kind of I hope I'm in a position that if that's the order, I can answer it and I can do it. Yeah. Even if all hell is breaking loose around mm -hmm. me, I'll be able to answer that call if it happens. Yeah. And and that's just it. I think all hell will be breaking loose, but um the light outshines the darkness and as dark as it's going to get the light will continue to shine brighter and brighter. Mm -hmm. And I believe we're going to see, I believe that's part of what it, eh, we're kind of getting off subject yes. here. But but I believe, but it's wrapped into this. Is this a prophetic 
picture of that. Now, those who believe that the rapture is going to happen right off the bat aren't going to see it. They're going to say, no, that has nothing to do with uh, this. This can't be the seven-year tribulation period because uh, Noah would have been on the ark already and rescued out and saved if this was the seven-year trip. There would have been a seven-year period following uh, him being on the ark if this, if this were correctly a picture of that. I don't see it that way. Uh, but I'm going to leave that out there as a matter of opinion uh, because I'm not absolutely 100% either way right now. Uh, I, I tend to lean that way. I just feel the evidence follows it. And this is, this is another piece uh, that seems to follow that pattern. But I will throw it out there. If you don't like it, go ahead and throw it away. You know, uh, or actually take it before God. Let the Holy Spirit define it for you. Don't don't just throw it away casually. Let let the Holy Spirit lead you into truth and wisdom. Now, another reason I oh okay another reason I brought that up Matthew twenty four thirty seven we've referenced this before. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. So as it was in the days of Noah was you've got seven days to prepare. Right. And then he's coming. I mean, God flat out told Noah seven days and then destruction happens. So is, is it going to be that way? So and, and seven, the number seven uh, on its own is a representation of a sword and stands for strife. So these seven days, is there going to be, are we going to see a sword? Are we going to see strife? Are we going to see terrible persecution and anger and wars and violence and horrible things happening? Uh, now the se seven is represented by the Hebrew letter Zayin, and that, the letter Zayin, uh, one of the, the word pictures associated with that is a plow, is a weapon, uh, and it also means cut off. So that's a good picture here too. Uh, uh, not just the seven-day period being uh, uh, a weapon, being being weapon-like, but you you are you're preparing, you're you're separating yourself. You're saying I'm on this side. The people on the outside of the ark. Uh, uh, there's there's a separation. There's a wall. There's a door. There's a cutoff. There is division going on there. There is, you have been cast out. I'm sorry. Uh, but any anyway. And spiritually, I yeah. have chosen to be with God. They yeah. have chosen not to be with God. Mm -hmm. You know, they. I took the hand that was reaching out for me. They shunned the hand. We're going to bring that picture up <laughs> too here. Uh, bringing that back. Uh, now, 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I found what I found interesting. Now, 40 is the number of trial. So he's gonna be he's gonna cause it to rain 40 days and 40 nights. So there's a trial going on here that Noah has to go through. Um this was pretty cool. Just the number 40 itself represents water with no boundaries. And what are we seeing in this picture? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna rain worldwide. 
you know, there, there's not going to be, they're going to be in a point where, you know, he comes out of the ark at the end of this and releases the bird and checks stuff out. You know the whole story. And if you don't, we'll get there or, or read it yourself. It's in Genesis. And, um, but he's going to looking, he's going to be looking out of the ark and seeing nothing. It's just a horizon of water everywhere you go. I mean, the, the, the flood is going to cover everything. So, and, and the number 40 itself represents water with no boundaries. That's, that's just amazing to me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Plus, the Hebrew letter, which 40 represents, is mem, which means water. I, I'm, I was just like, uh, it, it means mighty. It means massive. Uh, it means chaos. I mean, this is just, and, and if you remember, it's just alphabetical. The first letter is the first number, Aleph. It also equals one. Bet is the second, and it means two. And then they go down. So you just hit, alphabetically, it just comes to this. They didn't, they didn't go, hey, let's just take the letter that means water and make it line up with this. Right. It just happens to be that, you know, that place in line that it means this in this spot. I just, it's a perfect fit showing the, the intricate design uh, of gods. But now, 40 days and 40 nights, something else jumped out at me here. God does not use day to mean a 24-hour period here as he does in seven days. Because he says seven days Rain's going to come. And then it will rain 40 days and 40 nights. He separates the time of light and the time of darkness. Yeah. And he distinguishes them here when he didn't just a moment ago with seven days. So I thought, what's the difference there? What's going on? Why does he just say seven days? And then over here he specifies 40 days and 40 nights. So these are a few things I came up. These are a few things that struck me. Uh, you don't have to agree with them. I'm just throwing them out there for you know to let let you run it by God and and see what comes out to you. Uh, but these are some things that that I felt God was laying on my heart about this. So first of all, Genesis one, two b the the last part of verse two and Genesis one three. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Genesis 2. I messed that up. Genesis 2, 2 through 2, 3. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because that in it he rested from all his work which Elohim in creating had made. Now, we talked about this a while ago in our Genesis podcast. But on the seventh day, there is no morning and evening separation. Do you remember that conversation? Yep. We talked about every other day, he said, and there was morning, and there was evening, one day. And there was morning, and there was evening, another day. And so on and so forth. He gets to the seventh day, and there is no morning and evening. He just says the seventh day. And that word day is Strong's Concordance, number 3117. We've gone over this before. It's, the, it's pronounced yom. And it means to be hot, the warm hours, 
Uh, now, it can mean many things time-wise. Literally, it can be from sunrise to sunset. It can also be from sunset to sunset. So it can be 24 hours, or it can be just the bright part of the day, what you would think is daylight right? Uh, when the sun is up. But figuratively, it can be any space of time, which would be defined by an associated term, um, such as you say, the day of the Lord is at hand. You know, it could be a 37-year period, but, but they're just... Uh, whoever, the prophet speaking or whoever talking at that time is, is quantifying this is one space of time we're going to use the word day for. You know? uh, so that when, that when that is done, it must be quantified by something else, by another definition. But, and we're going to connect this back uh, to what we are talking about before with the, the seven-year tribulation period, the word day also commonly refers to a year. So, we talked about before, on the seventh day, that was Jesus's millennial period. We discussed before, uh, there are six millennia. Uh, Peter said, never forget, a day to the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So, the six days of creation refers to six millennia where man is on the earth working. The seventh day where he rested is the seventh millennia where Jesus rules and reigns on earth. So there was no darkness because his brightness is just constant on the earth. Right. So this was going through my head when it says here, when God says seven days and, and the, flood, the flood is going to come, that seven being associated with Jesus. And I just felt that my the connection I was getting uh, was the fact that this represents Jesus. This whole thing represents his salvation, his glory coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's lifting Jesus up. That's a light that has no darkness. If you see where I'm going with this, I had trouble putting it into words, but I wondered if that's why, that's one of the reasons seven days was used. Also, in the prophetic end time sense, day, that word day, yom, also commonly refers to a year. So are we talking about seven years and then destruction happens? Another... Another piece that I, I was putting together, but again, that's just what was laid on my heart. That was just how what I was going through. If you disagree with me, forget that. If you agree with me, uh, either way, take it before the Lord. Because if you agree with me, we could both be wrong. Uh, if you disagree with me, you know, then, then one of us, at least one of us, is wrong. Uh, always take it before the Holy Spirit. Always take it before the Lord. Uh, Yahweh is the final judge on everything, not me and not you. Uh, it, it, it's Yahweh. So let, let Yahweh determine the truth in all things. This is I, I present it for your consideration. I, I'm just trying to emphasize, I'm not here saying, that's it, that's what it is, you better agree with me. I, I don't, I don't want to come across that way. Okay, okay. <laughs> but now, Matthew 5.45 
making sure I'm connecting this in the right spot. If I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack here, but I, I think I put this in the right spot. Matthew 5.45 says, In order that you may become the sons of your Father which is in heaven, who makes his sun to rise on the good and on the evil, and sends rain on the righteous and on the wicked. That was standing out to me. And as I reread this, I'm, I'm not sure if it connected with seven. Oh, oh, it's connecting with 40. This is this is 40 for me. So I'm, I'm looking at the difference between seven days and 40 days and 40 nights. So I was talking about seven days. Now I'm on 40 days and 40 nights. That, that verse jumped out at me. He sends his rain on the righteous and on the wicked. And this is why I felt that was important. This is why, you know, he says 40 days and 40 nights. The rain came in the flood. It has come, rain has come since the flood and will always come for all. Now, that's one thing we can see from this picture. Again, there's many, many levels of truth to Scripture. And one is just, this is God's grace. Uh, he's sending the rain, which gives life, which gives nourishment to all. Whether you're evil or good, he just he sends the rain on the earth. It, it rains on everyone. But here, I was thinking about it specifically in this flood situation. The rain came. Noah was in the rain. He was protected inside of the ark, but he and his family and all the animals inside were in the rain. God did not keep it from raining on Noah. He simply protected them in the ark. But the rain came, and it came on the godly and the ungodly. It came on the righteous and the wicked. Now, as we talked about before, Yeshua, the water of the word, he comes to destroy sin. He does not come to destroy us. By his grace and his mercy, he delays his time as long as possible so that as many people will, as will turn to him will turn to him. He wants us all to be saved. We've talked about this before. If Jesus came right now and said, that's it, time is up, we're ending this, that would be it. Whoever is unsaved is dead. They're in hell forever, and they're eternally separated from him. He doesn't want that to happen. It's another reason why I believe the tribulation period will come first. It will be that weeding out process. It will be the, the tribulation board sifting the chaff from the seed and, and, and trying to make us pure And that right before crunch time period. When, Jesus, when, when Yahweh says, look, my, the time is now. This is going. This is the period. This is the dividing wall. On after this point in time, that's it. We're done. So right before that, he's going to step it up, and he's going to say, "All right, guys, look, your eternity is at stake. It has to happen now." This is going to be out of love and mercy uh, that for for the entire world that we go through this. Uh, it's one of the reasons I believe that. But one of the reasons I believe that the seven-year tribulation period will come before uh, the, the rapture, before everything happens. But the water of the word comes to clean everything and purify it. But in cleaning, in purifying, 
it is killing evil. Just like when we clean our house, we're killing germs. You're, you're, you're washing with soap and water or you're using uh, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking Disinfectant. for? Disinfectant. You are killing that which is evil, quote unquote evil, harmful, bacteria, virus, whatever. Uh, you're killing off what can harm all you and all of your stuff. You're cleansing your house. That's what he's doing. He's not murdering innocent people. He's he's disinfecting. He's getting rid of all the evil. Now, the people who have chosen to stay with their evil and embrace it and hang on to it, they're going to be destroyed with it by their own choice. The people who have said, no, I wish to be separated from that. I wish to be cleaned. I accept God's offer of salvation. They're going to be rescued out of that. And that's his desire for everyone. So the rain comes, it's going to cover everything for Noah. And the rain continues to come. The rain representing Jesus' word, representing his grace, his desire for us, continues to come on the wicked and, and the righteous. But now, let's go back also. Genesis 1.5, the first part of Genesis 1.5. And Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So we went over this before. Light is Strong's Concordance 216. It's pronounced or. And darkness is Strong's Concordance 2822, and it's pronounced koshek. And at the time that we went over this, uh, back in Genesis 1-5, we discussed the word picture for light was father and son. And, and, and light meaning illumination in every sense, happiness even, uh, bright, clear. And darkness uh, meant misery, destruction, death. Uh, but the word picture here was destroyed, and you just said this, destroyed by the separation from the open hand. And you just talked about the people who refuse to take God's hand. Right. He opens his hand to us, and there's some people say, put that hand back. I don't want anything to do with it. That's their decision. God's choice is, I want you, come to me. If, if we don't take that hand that pulls us out, that's our decision, not his. Um, but here we have 40 days and 40 nights and, and Elohim called the light day and he called the darkness night. So 40 days and 40 nights, you can say it's going to rain on the light and the darkness. So it's going to rain Again, going back to Gen Matthew 5.45, it's going to rain on the righteous and the wicked. It's going to rain on the Father and Son, or those who are His, or everyone in that camp. And it's going to rain on those destroyed by the separation from the open hand. It's going to rain on everything... The question is, are you able to handle it when it rains? Are you going to be destroyed as the disinfectant wipes you away because you are the virus? You have, you have aligned yourself with the virus that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy? 
Or are you going to be purified by the rain? Uh, because you have let Jesus put you in the ark and protect you with his blood. That's what this comes down to. So what I'm seeing is that seven days is a picture of Jesus uh, to prepare for this. Then when it comes, okay, there's the time. Uh, did you accept that, that gift of salvation? Did you prepare properly? In other words, did you accept Jesus? Now, 40 days comes on the righteous and the unrighteous, and it's going to clean everything. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. That's a good comparison. So I see this, again, as prophetic towards when Jesus came the first time. And we've, we've talked about it many times, the whole baptismal imagery, uh, dying and rising again in Jesus. But I'm also seeing this as an end-time prophetic picture. There is going to be a line. There is going to be, here, here comes Armageddon, and I'm wiping you out, and we're done. But before that time, I think he's going to perfect his bride. I think he's going to clean or make godly as, as much as he can for as many as will let him. Because of his mercy and grace. And then the last number we have is 600 years old. 600. Now six, as we've discussed before, is the number of man. It's also the number of Satan. Uh, we've discussed before also 600. It's been taught to me. I'm going to go with this for now. If you disagree with it, that's okay. It, it might not be right, honestly. I, um, this is one of those things that's just been explained to me. I can't necessarily verify why it means this. Uh, so I'm just going to put that out there. You decide what you want. But it's been explained to me that 666 is the number of Satan. 777 is the number for Jesus. Uh, because uh, it represents spiritual, mental, and physical perfection. 666 is as perfect as you can get without Jesus. You can't go higher than 6. 7 is Jesus' number. Uh, we need to go above what man can accomplish in order to be truly perfect. So if you think about it this way, 600 years old. This is spiritually, this is man's number spiritually, if you think about it that way. So what I see is that Noah, representing mankind, we've talked about this before, I believe when Adam came, he was an infant. And I, I believe all of humanity uh, represents a person's lifespan. And Noah is reaching a point of childhood, of early childhood, in this time span of humanity. And I believe at this point, from Adam to Noah, this 600 years old is for a reason. And it's showing that we have reached a point spiritually where we're not going any farther. I think man has so decayed, humanity has so decayed, and, and we know it. We can see from the picture, Noah is the only one. And his family comes with him, and, and the animals uh, come with him. They're blessed through Noah. But Noah is the only one chosen to get on the ark. Uh... 
the entirety of humanity decides not to go on the ark with Noah. The entirety of humanity has gotten to a place where they have collectively rejected Yahweh and gone their own way. I think we hit, spiritually, just the end. I think they've gotten to the fullness of where they're going to go. And I say fullness. Hang on to that word. That's going to connect something else. Also, but 600 is also the number for warfare. I think mankind essentially declared war on God. Mankind just said, we're fighting. Whether it was a, we're going to storm the gates of heaven and try to take you out kind of thing. I, I don't believe that. I just, I just believe spiritually. They said, we're fighting you. I reject your ways. I'm doing this myself. Uh, internally, spiritually, they went to war. Uh, with God. Mankind reached a point where they were as far as they could go on their own. That led to this war with God. Salvation, grace, was required. Man on his own can't get to seven, so to speak, in this, in this imagery, this analogy. It required Jesus bringing us there. Something beyond man was needed to save man. Man can only go as high as six on his own. And we needed something higher than that number. We needed something above us to reach down and bring us up. But I want to read you this. Romans 11, 25 through 27. For I want you to know this mystery, my brothers, so that you will not be wise in the thoughts of your nefesh. And in case anyone needs a refresher, nefesh is a Hebrew word that the, that the Hebraic Roots Version chose to remain, to leave it alone, because it can mean so many things. It can mean your life. It can mean your soul. It can mean everything about you that defines you as you. So they didn't want to just limit it to one interpretation because it means all of them at the same time and so much more. So I'm going to reread that in case some of you don't know that or had forgotten because we've gone over that word before. For I want you to know this mystery, my brothers, so that you will not be wise in the thought of your nefesh, that blindness of the heart in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the goyim and the King James says Gentiles, should come. And then all Israel will have life. Thus it is written, From Zion a deliverer will come and turn away iniquity from Yaakov, or Jacob. And then they will have the covenant that is from me when I forgave them from their sins. Two things to point out here. First of all, and then they will have the covenant that is from me when I forgave them their sins. That is a reference to Isaiah 59, 20 through 21 and Isaiah 27, 9. I throw those verses out there so you can look them up on your own. I'm not going to go into them right here, but I wanted to include that for you if you're doing research on your own. But the other thing we were just talking about. So I believe this is... Man has hit 
humanity has hit the fullness of where it can go. Or did you say fullness? You said fullness. I said fullness. Okay. Um, boy, I lose track so easily. Um, they've hit the fullness of where they can go. They need a Messiah. And this whole picture of Noah's Ark is the evil of man has, has just, it has become so, it, it, the fullness of the Goyim, the fullness of the Gentiles has reached its peak. Now, we don't have Israel as a nation yet, but here is the picture. The one righteous man being saved, the fullness of evil, the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Now, in a spiritual sense, Noah is a Hebrew. And we've talked about this in another podcast. What does it mean to be a Hebrew? Hebrew means to cross over. Abraham, when he was still Abram, was a Gentile. There was no nation of Israel. He became known as the first Hebrew because he decided to obey and follow God. And he crossed over a river to represent, as a physical representation, of leaving where he was and deciding to choose God's way and going into God's land, following God's plan. Well, what do we have here? We have Genesis 7, 4 through 6, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I blot out from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that Yahweh commanded him. Noah is righteous in God's eyes. We've seen that several times. Noah believes and obeys. Yeah, the nation of Israel doesn't exist, but the spirit, what is being taught of here, does exist. The fullness of the Goyim has come. The fullness of the Gentiles has come. Then all Israel will have life. This is a picture of what's going on. Noah who is at this point all Israel, all of the righteous ones, all of God's chosen people, all of God's select. He will have life. Noah comes out of this to a cleansed world, and it's all wonderful and refreshed, and Noah not only lives through the flood experience, and God saves him, and he, he doesn't die like everyone else around him, but he comes out to a world full of life after this. A clean world. A representation of heaven, essentially, is what we see. This is happening right now. Another thing I wanted to point out about that is that in my Hebraic Roots version, the fullness of the Goyim can be interpreted the fullness of the multitude of nations. So this is all nations of the earth have, have reached the point where it's done. They've capped out. The fullness of the Gentiles, the fullness of the ungodly, the fullness of those who are not uh, part God's people. And we've talked about this in another program. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, if you have accepted his gift of salvation, you are a Jew. Uh, again, uh, go watch the podcast. Uh, I believe it's called Jew Christian 
a messianic Jew, something like that. Orthodox Jew, Orthodox. Christian, a messianic and, Jew, and messianic Jew. Yep. Okay, so it's in our it's in our other category, the uh, topics. Topics. Thank you. You can check that out to see what I think about that. But right here we have it uh, again. I'm gonna repeat myself. The nation of Israel doesn't exist, but this is in play because literally what it's referring to is God's people and the ungodly. It, it is literally what it's talking about. Now, 600 is represented by Tav and Rish, 400 plus 200. Tav is the cross. It is, it's eternity. It's the end of existence. It is a faithful servant's reward. It is the complete insufficiency of man. <clears throat> that's what the number represents. Now, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that's four, yeah, sorry, 600. I'm sorry, I, I'm getting mixed up here. The number 600 represents the complete insufficiency of man. Represents eternity, the end of existence, a faithful servant's reward, the cross. Now, Tav is mark or sign or covenant or cross. Uh, to seal, to join two things together, the last. Resh is read, person, first, head, the, that, is, that which is highest, that which is most important, chief. So you can combine Tav and Resh to say the cross of Jesus. Uh, you, can, you can combine a lot of things in there. I kind of threw out all that um, Tav, Mark, sign, covenant, cross, ownership, to seal, two things joining together. Resh, read, person, first, the head, what is highest, most important. Combine those in any way. They all basically come out to say... Um, this is it. This is the covenant of God. This is the cross of Jesus. This is, this is joining two things together by the head of the household. Um, this is 600. We've hit the end of humanity. Humanity can, cannot take us any further. What we need is the cross of Jesus to move on. We can't go beyond 600 without that. Now, another thing that jumped out at me here, and I'm going to admit to you, this kind of jumped out at me as I was reviewing this towards the tail end. So I don't have a lot on this, but it, it just hit me. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of Jesus. Go back on your own and just read Genesis 6 and Genesis 7. And what you have is Genesis 6 is the fallen angels come and... Nephilim are created, and the giants happen, and mankind falls, and everything stinks, and it's destroyed, and God says, uh, it's, it's messed up. Noah, I'm going to pull you out. The fullness of man has come. Seven is the ark experience. We haven't gotten through it. We're in seven right now, but the ark experience happened, and Jesus saves everybody. I mean, just read it for yourself. I just kind of, I caught that towards the tail end of this. Genesis 6, the whole chapter itself, 
can basically sum up, this is mankind. And Genesis 7, the chapter itself says, and that's the plan of salvation. So I just, just read that on your own. Tell me what you think. Okay, now, I want to I wanna do a little bit. Those are the numbers, but I do want to get into blot out and destroy. Because this we've done this before. Do you remember talking about the word blot out? Is Strong's Concordance 4229. Uh, it's pronounced maka. And we got into this before where God comes to Noah. And uh, it was Genesis 6, 7. And he says, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowl of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. And we went over how blot out uh, can actually, in the word blot out, it means to erase, to, to, to stroke or rub out, but it also means to touch, to reach out to. And there is a picture of salvation here. He's reaching out, and this word blot out is, is actually mercy. It's, it's saving us. It's, I will blot out the sin. You know, I will erase, uh, it, it's a picture of I will erase his past and his sin, and I will reach out and take him with my hand. Uh, I will wipe, it stands for wipe, as in wipe away or wipe out. But, but we saw it as a picture of not the destruction of man, but the salvation of man. Do you remember that whole thing? I do. Now, this word is only used four times in Genesis. Uh, and this is the second time it's used in Genesis 7.4. It is also used in Genesis 7.23 twice. Now, when you read this in King James Version, I don't know about other versions, but they translate it as destroy. Not incorrectly, but because of that, you do not see a distinction. You don't see when it happens from another time that the word destroy is also used. And I'm going to get into that. The word picture for makah that we came up with at the time was the hand of water reveals or revealed, past tense, either one. But now, we missed this before. I didn't go into the word at this time because we had gone over destroy in Genesis 6, 7, uh, blot out. And so we came across the word destroy again in 6, 13 and 6, 17. And I was thinking the same word and I just kind of moved on. We'd already covered it. I just realized it's not the same word. So Genesis 6, 13. And Elohim said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Genesis 6, 17, And I, behold, I do bring the flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is in the earth shall perish. Those are the word shakath, and it is Strong's Concordance 78, 43. And it means to decay. In other words, to ruin, literally or figuratively. Now, I believe we've had this word come up before in the sense of decaying, or it was used in another way. It wasn't used as destroy. But uh, I'd have to go back and check that out. 
uh, I, the further we get, the more I lose track of where everything was that we've come up with before. You can't remember every every one of these 40 podcasts? Exactly. <laughs> Man. Now, the word picture, Sheen, Kit, Tav, a, possible, a couple possible interpretations I came up with was utterly separate and destroy the last. Uh, another was El Shaddai protects his covenant. So these are, this is a picture of destruction. This is a picture of annihilation. Um, but it's a picture of decadence. It's a picture of the thing has destroyed itself, essentially. It's decay. It's whatever it was was created perfect, and it just decayed over time. And now it's, it's, it's falling apart. It's, in, it's, not, it's beyond disrepair. It's just, it's becoming dust. It's just, the, the metal has so rusted out, it's just falling apart and crumbling, and it's just destroyed. Now, there's a difference in all of these. Genesis 6-7, I'm going to read these again here. Genesis 6-7, And I will blot out man whom I have created, from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowl of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. We went over that word repent and to show that it meant it grieved him at his heart. He felt bad for man. He, he, didn't, he wasn't saying, oh, I goofed and I'm sorry. He was saying, I hurt for them. I longed for them to be saved once again. Genesis 7, 4. For yet seven days... I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I blot out from the face of the earth. So again, he's talking this is there's an intimate connection here. Everything I have made. And so he's saying the the things that are mine I will blot out. So we can go back to saying I will save, I will rescue, I will pick them up and clean them off, I will erase uh, the sin, I will correct the corruption. Genesis 7.23 is the other two uses of blotted out. And we haven't got here yet. And he blotted out every living substance which was on upon the face of the earth, both man and cattle and creeping thing and fowl of the heaven and they were blotted out from the earth and Noah only was left and they that were with him in the ark again when this word is used it's specifying Noah it's specifying those that he saved uh, uh, again we go back and God says uh, uh, he, he points out man and cattle and creeping thing and fowl of the heaven He's naming them. He's specifying them. These are his. These are the ones where it's rescue, uh, rescue him. It changes the tone when it goes to destroy. Genesis 6.13 and 6.17. I read them before. I'll read them again. And, Noach, and, and Elohim said unto Noach, The end of all flesh is come before me. We, when we studied this, it was like it's in my face. So this is decay. So the end of all flesh, this is a picture of decay. It's gotten to its end, and it's, and it's right up in his face. He can't ignore it. And the earth 
is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So what he's pointing out here is decay and violence, and those are going to be utterly destroyed. When he talks about blotting out, the focus is on Noah. The focus is on my creation. The focus is on his loved ones, essentially. When he's talking about destroying it, he's talking about the decadence. He's talking about the violence. Genesis 6, 17. And I, behold, I do bring the flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is in the earth shall perish. Again, it's not, he doesn't name Noah. He doesn't say the cattle, the, the fowl of the air. He doesn't say my creature. He just says all all. The earth and everything in it, I'm just cleaning it. I'm just wiping out. I'm just, I'm just destroying it all. Uh, it's, it's all decayed. It's all ruined. There's no intimacy there like in the other verses. Uh, <clears throat> it's just that nameless thing that's there. There's a distinction in how he phrases each one. And I feel like I'm missing something. No, that, that's where I ended. That's just the difference with blotted out and destroy. Um, here, in 7.4, he comes back to blotted out. This is, again, a picture. Seven days. It's the number of Jesus. I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and nights. Uh, a, a picture of of trial of that that cleansing that we talked about. Uh, it's going to rain. His holy word, the the water of the word, is going to cover the entire earth, and all that is clean uh, will be pure and come through, and all that is ungodly will be wiped away. This is a picture of salvation for the clean. Uh, but the other two. Genesis 6, 13, and 17, it's just a picture of total destruction. And the emphasis in those verses is at everything that has decayed, everything that is corrupt, and, and it is, it's beyond repair, it's done. Uh, everything that has gotten to this point where it's turning to dust in and of its own self, I'm going to keep it from infecting uh, my people my my chosen ones i'm just gonna wipe it out and start again with them renewed and that's all i got well on that note i would say lord jesus come because i kind of feel like we're we're kind of getting to that point again yeah um the know, fullness of man is coming again the fullness of the gentiles as as it said here in uh, Romans eleven twenty five through twenty seven, uh, is coming again. I, I mean, the evidence is all around us. Um, you you made a couple points that first of all six hundred six thousand. If we really are getting towards or getting closer to the seven seventh millennium, then we are going to be to a point where we can go no further. Uh, you talk about people are at war with God. Mm hmm. 
Uh, I, I mean, evidence of that's all around us. People are at war with God right now. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Certain certain things happened the last couple weeks, and uh, people are protesting right now at churches um, because of what happened. I'm not going to say it because we'll get kicked off YouTube. Um, but there are people physically and spiritually at war with God right now. It had nothing to do with the Christian church, but still they're at war with God. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess on that note, <laughs> I guess I have a, what's hitting me right now is that, that fulfillment is coming. Whether you want it to or not, it is coming. And, and one of the cool things on that note is the fullness is coming, but it says, and then all Israel will have life. Guys, there is a, again, there's a physical fulfillment that reveals a spiritual truth. There's a spiritual truth that, that exceeds it all, that we should see. But there's always a physical sign that goes along with it. And guys, right now, the nation of Israel is having revival. We need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate that. It is, in and of itself, a picture that this is happening right now. The fullness of of the Goyim should come, and then all Israel will have life. The blindness in part by the Jews is going away. And thank God for yes, that. Yes, thank God. Thank God for that. Uh, once again, that is a physical picture of something else that we should see. Because uh, um, if you are not of the, na the physical nation of Israel... Uh, but you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You are a Jew. You are a Hebrew. You have crossed over. Uh, every verse that talks about his people and the Jews and all of that, we've talked about this in another podcast, they belong to you and they refer to you spiritually. Yes, there might be a physical manifestation that specifically refers to Jerusalem or the nation of Israel that is on this planet that we will see in a physical form, but they all reply to they all refer to you spiritually. You are of Abraham's seed. Yes. If you have accepted this gift of salvation. Paul, uh, Paul worked so hard to show that point to us. Mhm. Mm so, yes, no, there, that is definitely truth. But, yeah, the fullness of the Goyim coming is going to mean life for his people. And we're seeing that in the physical right now in the nation of Israel. Rejoice, guys. It, it's happening. It's coming. Yes. And hallelujah to that. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. So, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was expanding no, on no, what no, you no, had no. brought up. But, you brought uh, a so... You brought a great end to that to that thought. That's how I was trying to get it. Good. Okay. <laughs> but so, is there anything else you wanted to say there? No, I think that was good. All right. So uh, once again, as always, this has been Scott, and this has been Brad, and this is not about us.